Welcome to the Life with Friends podcast, a podcast where I reconnect with friends and family to talk about the shared experiences we've had together as people. On this episode, I talk to Michael, Alyssa, and Gwen about the differences we have growing up as overseas Filipinos. Whether born and raised in the Philippines itself, or growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney, or even trekking through our childhood years in Singapore and Taiwan, no matter where we are in the world, we all agree that we can always find a home with other Filipinos, and that we are always proud to be Pinoy. I hope you guys enjoy. Oh, and uh, apologies for the audio for this episode. Um, we'll be better next time. And we're live. So welcome to Life with Friends podcast. I'm your host, Jose. Uh, so before anything else, I just wanted to say uh, to my millions of listeners out there for the support I've been getting, actually. So I've been getting a few messages from a, supple, a couple of my millions of listeners. And I do want to say, and no, I'm just kidding, but um, I've heard word around that my podcast has been spreading within my social circles. I've been getting messages recently, and I just want to say that thank you guys for all of the support. It has been a very humbling experience um, to know that at least a couple of you guys have been listening to it, uh, even though it was more so for me and just to um, get rid of my angsty side. But, you know, thank you guys for all of the support. Uh, I can't wait, actually, to finally make that LinkedIn post uh, uh, to finally make that LinkedIn post uh, to say that, you know, starting from humble beginnings and look where we are now and we're a multi-millionaire business, you know. So that's my goal one day. I really hope this podcast really blows up. So if you have sponsors, if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to do business development with me, please let me know. Please, please, I need the money. <laughs> but um, let's get to it straight away. So for this episode, it's something really, really special. This is something I wanted to um, actually talk about for at least for as long as I've like lived, I guess. And it is a shared experience. I really wanted to resonate with a couple of people here. They say at dinner parties, you should never talk about three things. You should never talk about religion, sex, and politics. And yet here we are going to talk about two of those things. So let's go. <laughs> at least we'll hopefully go through two of those things at least. Um, so if you're tuned in, get ready for a mouthful because we are going to be talking about Filipino identity in general. Like, I don't know exactly how to like encapsulate this topic line. And usually when I come up with these podcasts, I don't really think about a specific topic name, but it will revolve more around the topic of Filipino identity and more specifically overseas Filipino identity. And which is why, which is going to be a great segue to lead up to talk about my guests for this, for this podcast. So I have three guests. So this is something new. I actually have three people up for this podcast and um, four, including me, but first I want to introduce to you, Michael. So Michael, how have you been? I've been really great. Jose, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? How's your Sunday going? Well, I just came from a time-honored Filipino tradition, which is the family dinner after mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we, in fact, not having planned this, had a very Filipino lunch. We watched an NBA game after. It's <laughs> like the perfect lead up, I think, to a discussion about what it means to be Filipino. So I'm very, I feel, in the zone for that. Thank you. And we've met, um, actually, uh, we've all like, well, just going to disclaimer, we all met through like volunteering as like a part of an organization. So it's good to see you guys back again. Um, so thanks, Michael. Next up, we have Alyssa. So Alyssa, how have you been? 
I've been good. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I haven't really been, well, yeah, I've been good. I've just been a really busy Sunday morning. But it's, um, yeah, as opposed to Michael, who talked about family time, just because I'm an international student, so I don't get that. Um, and, but I have been seeing, like, text on the chat message saying, like, hey, are, are you able to attend online mass with us? So I think uh, I might do that later if I'm free. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> we'll talk about that, actually. Um, it's a really big part of, like, Filipino identity. But last but not least, we have Gwen. So, Gwen, you want to say hi to the millions of listeners here? Hello. <laughs> um, I'm Gwen. <laughs> how have you been recently? How have you been? How's, how, how's Sydney treating you uh, during this uh, lockdown? I've been, I've been really good. Um, Sydney has been really good to me during lockdown. It's definitely different to what my friends and family are experiencing back home. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, definitely. It's been, lockdown has been, um, I feel like I'm very lucky being here right now. Yeah, this for whole sure. Pandemic situation. Uh, yeah, I've been doing really well so far. Good, good. That's good. Glad to hear. So the reason why I got you guys um, over here actually is to talk about certainly, it's like essentially like one single topic, which is essentially what does it mean to be Filipino and what it specifically means to be overseas Filipino? Because I think one shared experiences that we've all had is that uh, we aren't exactly, we, um, regardless of our upbringing, we all sort of identify with Filipino culture and our heritage, but in very, in very different degrees or varying degrees. So I guess to kick off this, uh, um, I want to throw back the question back at you, Mike. I want to ask you this first question and you can talk about your upbringing and how it's led you to the person you are today and how you identify with it with a very, very simple question. What makes you Filipino? Hmm. I think to give some context, I grew up in quite a Filipino, you can call it an ethnic enclave. Sydney is quite a diverse city, particularly you see a lot of diversity from the Southeast Asian region. But in my kind of suburb and the surrounding suburbs, there's a lot of Filipinos. And I grew up with that being the norm. Having said that, you didn't have very many first generation Filipinos who migrated over. Those are typically the parents of myself and my classmates. So we were second generation. And for us, that meant embracing whatever our parents did, really. Mm. Well, talk, talk about your background, Lily. Where, where, where were you born? Where were you raised? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I was born in Sydney. Born and raised in Sydney. I spent most of my life here. Um, I go home every now and then to the Philippines because my parents are from, my mom's from Manila and my dad is from General Santos. Mm. And we traveled back every now and then. I think what makes, I wouldn't have honestly answered that question very straightforward uh, mm. growing no, no, up. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sorry, expecting yeah. you to. Yeah, I'm not expecting you to as well. Like, I wanna, we want to know yeah, more yeah, about yeah. For sure, for sure. So I wouldn't have said I'm very Filipino at all. As, as a kid, even to now, I wouldn't say that uh, I, I identify with most parts of Filipino culture. And yet, I think in university, I've really come to appreciate the intersection of like my heritage, being someone born to Filipino parents, but raised in Australia and having the experiences I've had, such as uh, working in the Philippines for a period of months and going back overseas. And I think what makes me Filipino is an identification with certain parts of our culture that I quite uh, value and uh, a, a sense of a sense of home I suppose it's odd because I don't go there that often but I do feel very 
comfortable and 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 at home whenever I, I do make my trip over. Mm, okay. So talk about that a little bit. So um, obviously all four of us are Filipinos and you are probably the only one. Oh, you are the only one born and raised in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about your upbringing and your, and like what you said, growing up in one of the more Filipino dominated suburbs in in Australia or specifically in Sydney, what was that like? Um, because, you know, for us, um, we'll get to like myself, Gwen and Alyssa later, but like yours is really unique, right? And what were some of that like challenges or one of the things that you like, uh, like appreciated about the culture growing up, especially when it's, it's never been in the Philippines, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that for me, it was this constant, I, I never thought too hard about nationality because I never stood out in any particular way among my peers growing up. And so it never became a big talking point. But I think just some things in the way you kind of go about your day-to-day life mark someone who has a background as distinct from your average Australian person. So for example, I do not speak with a very obvious Australian accent. I don't think anyone in this room really does. So they open their mouth and you can immediately tell you're not you know, from here, even if you don't see them. And yeah. so growing up in Western Sydney where you do have a lot of people who grow up with certain accents, certain ways of, of, of doing things and of saying things. So you kind of can't help but hear a little bit of a difference between or a dissonance between your peers and yourself. So things like that, or even just the way that say, for example, my mom would pack me lunch um, mm. in a flask growing up. Yeah. So I'd get yeah. rice and you know, some protein of some sort, but all of my friends would get sandwiches. And mm-hmm. so it, it was really interesting thing where it's kind of like, why is this, you know, why are you coddled or why are you uh, getting special care? You know, are you a spoiled kid or something like that? But yeah, yeah. for my mom, it always came from a place of wanting to be a good homemaker of fulfilling her motherly duties. And I'm not saying, you know, other backgrounds don't have that, but this was something that was quite prominent in me. And I think it's quite common in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, I think as well, religion defined a huge part of my yeah, for sure. growing up. I would think there's not a single Filipino in the world. I don't think that doesn't have some affiliation with the Catholic church and doesn't know how to conduct themselves in church to some degree. I would be very surprised to think that, you know, atheist Filipinos exist. And well, for better or worse, that is what it is. And mm. um, so I spent every day in the holidays at school and church. There's a church in my school every day so i would go every day i volunteered as like an altar boy growing up and um, <laughs> really day, yeah, yeah 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 for real man my parents are very very devout and uh i thought i was due once upon a time i still go to church and all that but i would i would i would definitely describe myself as less so but i think those are just some kind of aspects of um my upbringing that lead me to kind of identify with being Filipino. One part though, one part that was a bit absent was that, you know, in, in the Philippines, there's this big, well, for Filipino uh, expats, especially, there's this big culture of uh, large family gatherings, right? Yeah, yeah. Christmas, Easter, birthdays, you have these big things. And I never had that because my family's the only one, uh, my dad and my mom are the only ones from their family, even here. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was an interesting part that I always felt was quite conspicuously absent because all my other, you know, classmates would have their big family gathering. So maybe I can ask uh, Alyssa, Gwen, growing up, did you experience that? Or do you identify with that very strongly as part of your culture? A large family gatherings? Large family gatherings, yeah, or just this big sense of community. 
Yeah, definitely <laughs> for me. Um, sorry. Um, large ahead, family Gwen. gatherings were a weekend thing. Every weekend we'd see each other or um, we'd really, it, it, we put a lot of value in spending time with family. So in every way that we can, we would uh, see each other. But like in all honesty, I think the biggest thing, like the biggest gatherings would be wakes, oddly enough. Like <laughs> that's when you meet your cousins that you never met before and your titas <laughs> would say, oh, do you remember me? I, I, I fed you when you were a baby and you just have to pretend that you know who they are. Um, oh my gosh, that's so true. They're like... Like, do you still remember me? It's like, oh, I fed you food and like, I'll make mano. You have to like bless the hand. Yeah. And then I'm like, I've never met you my whole life. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, exactly. like, who are you? But yeah, that's true. <laughs> what about you, Alyssa? Like um, what, 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 what Michael said, how big were family gatherings in Singapore? Now I'll get you guys, I'll get you guys to talk a little bit about your background as well. But yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Alyssa. Yeah, in Singapore, uh, naturally, my side of the family is the only one who also moved in Singapore. Everyone else would either be in US or Philippines. So like big family gatherings wasn't a thing. But uh, also with that, um, growing up, especially when I was in primary school onwards, we ha- we made a lot of Filipino like family friends. Because uh, I think especially for me, when I went into my first like primary, primary one, class we there were seven other filipinos and then you know the moms would meet outside they're like oh yeah i'm from this place and then um they'll start saying like oh you know we should come over to this this place we should like uh, we should eat together and then from then on it was when uh we would always make it a thing like to celebrate you know new year's chinese new year uh like different holidays together uh even though it wasn't our holiday we try to embrace that part of Singapore and integrate it into our family culture um, doing like super fun things and mm. I guess yeah in, in comparison to for example like Gwen we still do the whole like mano and then talk about all these things but it, it's nice to know how regardless of which family you come from you can still form a new family that kind of thing I think that was something that I really like growing up yeah and we'll, we'll talk about that later is that like you know if if well, I'm biased, but like, I'm pretty sure the f- most number one hospitable um, nationality in the world is probably regarded as Filipinos, like Philippine, um, the Philippines specifically. But we'll get, that to, uh, get to that a little bit later. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. So we, Michael, you talked a lot about like, you know, growing up in Sydney um, as a Filipino. And yet, you know, you have that like dichotomy or that dissonance between like the, cu- the cultures that you were living with. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to switch it. I want to switch it to Gwen. So Gwen, Gwen, you were born and raised in the Philippines specifically, right? How eye-opening how eye was that listening to Michael's sort of story? And I want to flip, I want to flip back the question to you and ask you, what makes you Filipino? Um, Michael's story was like definitely, uh, I guess you could really see the difference of growing up in the country and growing up um, in like a westernized country. I guess one main difference is like the lack of that um, family connection that we um, discussed previously. And another thing is, I guess, in the, growing up in the Philippines, you see a lot more of the country than what the media, I say, portrays. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, I know how a lot of people think the Philippines is like, oh, be- beaches and like, nice places. Very oh, like, uh, uh, go to Cebu, go to Palawan, yeah. go to... Boracay, you know, Boracay, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But 
that's not what you see. Even when you, uh, I live in the city in Manila, specifically mm. in Makati, and that's not how the Philippines is. You know, I think this is one thing that I often tell people when I meet them for the first time and they ask me about um, how is the life back home. It's it's a lot of um, bad things and a, a little bit of the good things. You know, yeah. I think yeah. that's one thing that they don't cover a lot when they talk about the Philippines. It's like the amount of poverty and everything. I think I mentioned this to Gonzaga when, or Michael when he was back in the Philippines, how despite how developed it looks, the moment you step outside of, say, the city or like the national capital region, it's just all grasslands and greens and mountains and all that. And yeah, it's very different. And in terms of culture, I think another thing that um, I personally resonated with um, is the going to mass every Sunday. Definitely that's something I, I feel like we all did growing up. And For sure, yeah. <laughs> I think that's basically what makes me Filipino. Mostly mm. actually experiencing and like seeing, I wouldn't say experience, since I'm like rather well off compared to like majority of Filipinos. That's, but yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Like I, I, acknowledging it. Mm. Well, that's true because like most of us are currently overseas Filipinos and I safe to say that we have had a lot of privileges that currently some a lot of people in our country don't have right and talk about your upbringing because like you know for the rest of us and we'll get to Alyssa and myself later but like you have actually been born and raised there right so what was it like like were are the stereotypes true so like for instance one stereotype is like oh I I, I have no idea like it, it resonates to all of us as well but like you know going to like like how toxic sometimes maybe like um <laughs> filipino gatherings can be for instance because because like you know like people can like the talk like, you know like how parents talk about their children all, all the time in front of their children right <laughs> things like yeah. that or yeah, i don't know just anything from that or even like the, the good stuff about like um uh like uh, buena noche or things like that you know, all those things so what was it like growing up in the philippines um I guess you want to talk about like the whole family culture in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one I, I grew up with very strict parents, mm. and um, they were the kind of parents I, I suppose this is rather typical Asian parents who would um, often compare you to your friends and be like, "Oh, look at look at this girl. She's really smart. She's getting straight A's, stuff like that." And yeah. they'll they'll talk about it right in front of you, um, mm. and make you feel bad about yourself and make you feel incompetent and you know not enough. But then the moment they speak to other people in your fam- big family gatherings, they're like, oh, look at my daughter. She's so smart. She does this. She does that. And yeah, yeah. Um, you can you really see how like two-faced people are when <laughs> during family gatherings. And um, I think another thing about Filipino culture is the high regard for the elderly. Mm, um, that's true, yeah. For example, the manopo, it's something that we all do. I, I reckon it's something that we, we were all accustomed to growing up. And to, to, wait, that... to the listeners out there, Gwen, what, what, is, what is manopo? <laughs> it, I don't even know how to explain it without, like, you know, like, without them. Without using it. your hands, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Try um, try your best. <laughs> it's, it's a sign of respect um, when greeting, like, the elderly. So what you would do is say manopo and then touch like the back of your hand to their forehead. I, I don't know how well they can visualize that, but I think that's the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. So what we do um, to everyone listening is like, so you have your grandmother's hand, let's say they're right in front of you. You take her palm um, and you 
press it against your forehead. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's the best way. <laughs> but yeah, you were talking. Um, what was it like? What was it like having such a high regard for our elderly, especially from some of us where we none of us have lived with our grandparents or like not for a substantial amount of time. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's really nice having like really close relationship with say your grandparents and your parents because they're really there to guide you um, like growing up. But I think the bad side of it is that they can never be wrong. Even when they're wrong, they're not wrong, you know? Oh no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just always right and you can't answer back. And even though that's how a conversation works, you know, you, you talk yeah. back, but for them, it's rather disrespectful for you to do that. Fair. Um, yeah. That's true. I guess all of us can sort of resonate to that as well. Was it, um, I wanted to touch upon it later, actually, but I can, I guess I can bring it up now. Uh, what do people think about, what do people think in the Philippines about overseas Filipinos? Because usually the stereotype is that, you know, Miami and Sila, they're all very like rich and well off, right? Or like, you know, well, you're overseas, right? So you can like afford all these things. And that is like a huge stereotype. Um, and um, yeah, so I wanted to go, well, what is that perception of people who have, who of overseas Filipinos back in the Philippines? Yeah, um, definitely like what you said. Um, Filipinos back home think that those who are overseas have it so easy. And that they're very privileged to be overseas. Um, but what they don't know is like all the struggle that goes into living overseas, especially, I mean, even like the most minimal things like living costs, everything is like drastically different to how it would be like in the Philippines. And one thing that they usually do is to use these people who are overseas as like crutches. So they always ask them for help, ask them for money. They think they have it so easy there and that they're so privileged and rich because they're living overseas that they can easily just ask them for help or money, mostly money. Yeah. 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 Speaking of so overseas, that, yeah, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm just, I was just uh, emphasizing that it's uh, very common for that to happen. Fair. Yeah. I guess the person who can relate to it the most would probably be like myself um, and Alyssa. So Alyssa, talk about your upbringing. And I want to flip the question back to you as well to sort of introduce yourself and where you're from. And you talked a little bit how you are from Singapore. But I wanted to ask you the question, what makes you Filipino? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was born in the Philippines, but then uh, raised in Singapore, was brought into Singapore like when I was three months old. So basically like was born there. Um, and what I, I would say like what makes me Filipino is I guess the, the kinds of values that my parents actually uh, instilled in, during the way that they raised me. Because, uh, yeah, in compared, like listening to both, you know, uh, Gwen as well as Michael's, um, like their upbringing, it's so different to mine. Uh, and I guess it's also because of the circumstance where uh, I never lived with my grandparents. I mean, my grandparents also um, lived in Philippines and the other, the other, um, the other side, actually, my, my dad's side actually lived in U.S., so very very little uh interaction so the whole like oh yeah the respect like don't talk back never really happened because there was no one to talk back to uh, aside from my parents um mm. but you know with that it was like um the way it <laughs> i i can't actually compare or i can't see the there are quite a lot of things that i can't 
kind of um, resonate with just because of how how I was brought up in Singapore because Singapore is a multicultural country, right? And yep, yep. like you, for me, I saw a lot of different people. So I thought that was a norm kind of thing. And for me, it was like uh, uh, a lot of, yes, the, the whole thing about um, Sunday is the Sabbath day. You have to go to, you have to go to church with your family. Um, and for me, I didn't really see, for example, the understanding in that because I was exposed to so many other cultures. Uh, and like having that conversation where like uh, I can't really uh, again speaking English so didn't really have to speak in Tagalog or all that thing and my parents mm-hmm. never really forced me or 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 encouraged me to to speak in Tagalog like you know yeah. simple phrases but even the mano thing I only learned after meeting like new titas and titos um, in primary one so like. Uh, I, for, for me, very, very little, uh, very, very little exposure to the Filipino culture until I grew up. And I think with that, it was really like what made me Filipino was the way that uh, was just more on the values and the behaviors. Because, um, you know, it was also through food. Like I think food as well. Um, mom really introduced the culture through food. And I preferred a lot. I preferred Filipino food over, you know, Chinese or Malay or Indian food uh, growing up. And I think that's how kind of like my mom really taught me that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My dad as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like I, I see like different values or different behaviors that you guys have talked about. But it wasn't because of the fact that I grew up in Philippines, but it was big or in a very culturally focused sorry filipino uh, focused culture but it was more because of like the 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 what the sorry the values or the discipline uh the way that my parents disciplined me that helped me to understand the filipino culture so yeah i would say it's just the values yeah and then you said like it took a while right for you to like sort of identify with it because having grown up in Sing- uh, singapore for most of your life basically since you were born at what age did did you did you realize oh, okay you know like I'm Filipino, like Pinoyoko, like where were, like what age did you come into that realization that you had these certain values that were different from all your friends and peers? Mm, I think probably when I was 12 or 13, Yeah. Um, I always identified myself as either Chinese or Malay throughout my entire life. So mm. yeah, I would say like 12, 13. Really? Chinese or Malay? Oh, that's true. Well, because yeah. that's the biggest population in, the, in Singapore, but wow. Okay. Damn. Hmm. Was it hard? Like, I, I, I'm going to throw this question out to everyone here as well. So people, you guys can chime in, but how hard was it to identify with Filipino culture growing up, especially for like all, all of us, especially because um, we all are in very, very different degrees. But I'll throw it back to Mike, actually. Was it hard to identify with it or were you, did you, did you come to accept it already and you were proud of it from the get-go? I think it was quite difficult for me on the basis that I always, not always, but I always felt that, um, or most of the time rather, there was a certain pressure to act a certain way. I didn't Mm -hmm. have this conceptualization of culture as this fluid thing where it's a set of norms and, you know, some are more strong than others and some are more accepted than others. And so, for example, I don't speak Tagalog, I don't speak any Filipino language at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe like one or two words enough to get around Manila, but 
I, I wouldn't be able to have a conversation. And so okay. a lot of my peers kind of cited this as evidence of like not being, you know, Filipino or not being Filipino enough. And so I guess, you know, it was kind of one of those where if, I, if you reject me, then why should I be proud of this? I never considered that as something to hold my head um, mm. up and say, you know, this is what it is. But I think the turning point was traveling to the Philippines and visiting a very iconic kind of place, the Jose Rizal Museum in yeah. the Intramuros in, in Manila. And that was really cool because suddenly the narrative had switched, right? It wasn't that Filipinos, um, you know, scraped by as nurses or domestic staff all over the world. Suddenly it was that, you know, the, the heritage of the Philippines is kind of a severe underdog that constantly manages to be resilient in the face of um, powers that are totally out of their league, right? And understanding yeah, yeah. that we have certain things we rally around, we care for the people around us. I think that was the moment where I began to appreciate what it means to, to be Filipino. And I started to hold some pride in being you know, and being Filipino. And even today, um, I will say I'm Australian, but I have Filipino parents and I'll never say I'm Australian without kind of making that qualification as well. Yeah. yeah it was around I, that moment when I was like 18, 19 years old. That's good. That's good. Because for me, at least, so I'll talk a little bit and like, that's like, I, I completely empathize, even though we've lived two different worlds, because um, I guess the person I could relate to the most was like Alyssa in terms of being born in the Philippines, but raised somewhere else. So I was born in the Philippines. Um, where I was raised is a whole different parado- uh, Pandora's box, um, but it's all between Taiwan, Singapore, and recently Australia. And the reason why I threw that question was because for me, um, what makes me Filipino has all been like what everyone says, my ties to my family back at home, the values and behaviors that we've like been accustomed to and the food essentially. But it wasn't through without a lot of struggles, right? Like for me, um, I would go back to the Philippines like every Christmas and that was like where I resonated the most with Filipino culture. But then it like the dial turned down or the switch turned off once I went back to Taiwan or I went back to like Australia and like I would have to, I sort of felt myself as like in limbo. Um, but like, you know, how different was it then Gwen? Like, like do you, like you're straight hundred percent Pinoy, right? Like you'd, you'd identify straight up, right? Or yeah. how difficult was it like resonating to what like Michael and I say? Like, honestly, I don't think it was, like, that difficult. I mean, growing up, um, since I did grow up in the city and went to a rather westernized um, high school and primary school, um, there was also a part of me that found it rather difficult to connect with being Filipino. Um, oh, really? Even more... living there itself? Yeah, for sure. Okay, talk, yeah, talk about that, yeah. Um, I think living there and seeing everything, seeing the bad side of the Philippines and the Filipinos itself, um, all of the, the bad qualities, it's hard to resonate with, especially with things you don't agree with. Mm. And growing up, I was always like, I guess it's like that sort of pressure to fit in with, say, my peers who were, um, say, like halfies, you know, half Filipino or half something else, half American, half British, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Definitely was much more accustomed to West, Western culture than actual Filipino culture. It wasn't until I got older and realized um, like this is my culture. I am Filipino, and I spent more time, say, in the province with my other, the other side of my family. Like, um, so my mom's from Pangasinan, and I spent most of like my latter developmental years there. Um, that's oh, when my I parents realized... are from Pangasinan too. <laughs> oh, really? 
Yeah. Do you speak no, no, no. I can understand Pangalatok, but like very minimal. Oh. But yeah, I wasn't from yeah. San Carlos, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, there. It uh, definitely was more accustomed to Western culture, and it was harder for me in like my younger years to accept that this is my culture and this is who I am. Definitely was whitewashed at some point too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we all are at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, I have a question. It's interesting you bring up this point of. Looking at this demarcation between Filipino culture and Western culture, but surely you could make the argument that they're quite intertwined and there are key elements of Filipino culture which cannot be taken, like looked at in isolation of um, the West. Like, for example, the fact that we have jeepneys or the, that the barong is transparent or that we have um, so many kind of American style chain restaurants all mm. around or even the fact we drive on the side of the road that America does, for example, yeah. I think kind of lends, there's a key parts of the American, the fact that we speak English as well, like key aspects of, of Filipino culture. And do you think you can look at that and, you know, say there are distinct Filipino parts that are, are, are uniquely Filipino? Mm. I, I think one way to describe the Philippines is that it's like a, a melting pot of culture. Definitely For because sure, of yeah. all the colonization mm-hmm. that all these cultures were mixed together to like you know birth the Filipino culture, and you know, so I, I definitely agree with you there. Majority of like what makes Fili- the Philippines like the Philippines is an intertwine of many different cultures. You know, maybe that also makes it hard to to identify as Filipino. You know, like seeing as we all speak like mm, for example, I think I so as well. Language. Yeah, yeah. You know what really sucks though is that like. Um, when you spoke about that, Gwen, I, I remember like um, talking to my cousins about this, and it's like unfortunate how the measure of success in the Philippines is how how good your English is or how American your accent can be. And like yeah. the more it is, the more or like this, there's this term, right? There's this term called conyo, which is like mm-hmm. where you're very where you speak Tagalog in a very pretentious way by mixing it with with some Filipino words and like uh, uh, English words, right? So. So yeah, it's like, it's unfortunate how it is like that. And, but yeah, like what you said, it is a melting pot and everything. What I want to turn to actually is that flipping out the other side, we all are one thing, which is overseas Filipinos, right? And I have some stats for you guys. And guys, I want you guys, I want us to talk about is that in the world, there are 12 million Filipino diasporas, meaning there are 12 million (laughs) Filipinos overseas, whether or not they become citizens in those countries, but they just basically, there have been 12 million people who have been displaced from the home, from their homeland. And 10% of the Filipinos GDP is actually from remittances, which is insane. That means 10% of like the out, the the economic well-being of the country is based on people of sending money back to the Philippines from across the world. That's crazy. But like, like, how hard was it like um or maybe not how hard but like how for me at least you know living going back to the philippines very often just like what mike Alyssa, and like gwen talked about and then coming back to my residential country wherever it may be you sort of lived in those two worlds right you've lived like you you, you go to one world where it's you're up like i guess your heritage where your grandparents are and then coming back to this really modern like this well well developed country very modern very high infrastructure and things like that and you know the prime example would probably be australia and singapore like what Alyssa said 
So did it feel like it was two worlds, Alyssa? Like, do you feel like you're sort of stuck in between those, like that bridge between being Singaporean and being Filipino? And, but I guess the difference is as well, there's a lot of Filipinos now in Singapore, but was it still difficult or was it mm. still easy to, like, was it clear cut between the two different cultures for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, there were overlaps between, for example, Malaysian, the Malaysian culture and Filipino. So I think that was really cool. And I guess that's one of the reasons why, you know, we could actually uh, talk a lot more, especially, you know, sim- uh, over the simplest things like uh, language itself, payo, uh, kambing, like all these words actually uh, overlap. And then it would be like, oh, you know, that's super cool. Like, let's learn each other's languages. Um, and I think generally for a lot of the Filipinos in Singapore, it's a lot more easier to uh, steer towards like Malaysian. But aside from that, um, like for me, it was easy to distinguish myself between those cultures because essentially it's still at the end of the day, very different. Um, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons why, uh, one of the things would be more of like the whole family component kind of thing. Um, but maybe it's also the way that I've been brought up where family is super important, you know, it's a lot of love. Whereas like for, for example, for Chinese, they're very competitive. Like they're not, they're, they're not the kind of like, um, what's this called? They're, there's this tough love and it's mm. tough to the point where like it stresses you out. Like it's always competition. What well, that's how I viewed it anyway. But then for, from, from on my end, it's like, it's more protective, but also encouraging. That's how I saw the way, uh, that's how I saw my parents bring me up when it comes to family. Um, yeah. I, like, I guess with that question, it was more of, uh, it wasn't too difficult. Um, I think it's also because of the fact that Singapore does encourage pride in your own culture. I think pride is like Singapore's pride is diversity at the end of the yeah. day. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't not, it wasn't difficult to be proud or to showcase how different you were. But of course, you know, stereotypes got in the way sometimes and it made me kind of not want to be Filipino, if that makes sense. Um, like really? certain things like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, Talk about that. Like I would be, what, uh, hmm? yeah. Oh, sorry. Like I was gonna say, like what aspects or what, like what kind of scenarios where did you feel like you didn't want to be Filipino, or like shied away from your heritage or things like that? Mm, uh, I guess uh, the, one of the things was like I was being called a maid or being looked down upon just because I was Filipino. That's horrible. And I'll be like, yeah, and I get. I, I would get teased and bullied. So in that sense, like it made me not want to admit that I was Filipino or at least like not mention it anyway. And that's where I'll be like, oh, haha, real funny. Like, and I'll just like detach myself from other people. And then, um, yeah, and it, it just made me frustrated because, you know, that's not who we are. Like we're so much more than that. And also, you know, the, peop- the reason why they do these things is because, eh, sorry, the reason why, made for example um like people sorry filipinos are stereotyped as made just because you know they like singapore has this whole culture of like having a caretaker to raise them up so it's it's a good good and bad thing where it's good because it exposes the culture it's bad where it like impacts the the perceptions of like filipinos in general um Mm. and then yeah it i think that that was just the main thing for me because I got teased for the entire primary school. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to admit that I was Filipino either. 
I, I, I read that's this interesting. Oh, sorry, Jose. No, go ahead, Gonzaga. Yeah. I read this interesting article last year. I was studying. It was an Asian Canadian study, um, an Asian Canadian subject, and one topic was Filipino Canadians. And I saw this article about this uh, girl in Vancouver who'd be eating with a knife and with a spoon and fork, as is common for Filipinos to do. <laughs> and her white uh, work, her, her colleague saw her and made it a big deal like wow you know you eat with a, you don't eat with a knife this is so this is so different i have to see this this is amazing you know and i guess the intention isn't bad it's just you know different cultures but it would make mm-hmm. me feel like kind of a zoo animal if someone were to watch me eat because i don't eat like they do and i think this is a pretty common experience a lot of um, overseas filipinos can relate as a, like, like Alyssa said it's just the uh the lack of synchronicity between certain cultures can lead to these little clashes or microaggressions, you might call them. I would think this is a big part of not just the Filipino experience, but I think the overall kind of um, immigrant experience. And we happen to see this a lot more simply because there's so many Filipinos that migrate to different countries. Yeah, it's insane. Like number one is like what you said, number one is India as the top 10 diaspora population because just out of sheer volume. But like, it's crazy enough that like that, it's also lauded or like it's highly encouraged by Filipinos. I was reading, I was doing my research last night and like the, there is actually a policy that is encouraging Filipinos to go abroad because it's well, it's because of the well-being of its, it's of the economy, right? Like that's, that, that's, that's insane. And the fact that, you know, we have these like microaggressions and leads to like these stereotypes is true. Like how, what does it mean to like, live abroad and move abroad, Gwen? Like, does everyone want that in the fills? Like, do people, like, highly praise that as well? Yeah, um, definitely it's uh, looked up on um, because they think when you move abroad or you study abroad that you're doing something that will um, improve your life. Yeah, for sure. Improve your way of life, generally, and make you more successful compared to those who are in the Philippines. And I think that leads to a lot of brain drain, in all honesty. And another thing to add to that is, as you said, it's very much encouraged to move abroad and to pursue like your future abroad. Um, because of this like encouragement, then those who actually pursue their career in the Philippines aren't supported enough. Like scientists in the Philippines, for example, aren't supported. Like they're not mm. supported by the government. They don't get their research grants. and and they're kind of just like pushed out of the country, if that makes sense. Yeah. Especially like what's happening right now with COVID. Like there's always been debate about this is the like ongoing dispute about the well-being of registered nurses in the front line. Right. And that's like insane that that fact that that's happening right now, it's insane. Which leads me to another point, which Gwen brought up really, really well is that, and Alyssa touched upon, upon it when you are encouraged to move abroad. And I don't know if like people listening can resonate with their nationalities, but with the Philippines, right. Since it's being so encouraged and I hope I'm not like to the Filipinos listening, I hope we're not painting a huge brush. These are just experiences. <laughs> if you want to get angry at me, slide into my DMS or you can follow me on Spotify. But <laughs> um, where was I going with this? Oh yes. Like, because it is so encouraged and there's actual policies. I remember watching a Vox video about like how registered nurses, there was an influx of them suddenly from the Philippines in this, like um, I think in the seventies and then all the way up to, they all all migrated to the U S and that's why we have such a huge Filipino population in California. Right. But because it's so encouraged, there's now this topic about, there's this um, dispute about Filipino pride 
and Filipino pride. And I, I showed you guys in one of the articles. Um, uh, there's this article that says like, I've, I've searched this up so many times and it's so scary to think that a lot of people, like there's a growing negative sentiment about being Filipino. And I think it relates a lot of it to the government, right? And, um, uh, and sort of the, the well-being of the people there at the current moment. And it's unfortunate for us to say, but like for me at least, the more like I'm very proud of my heritage and culture, like, um, and like my ethnicity as a per, like as a Filipino, but because of what's happening and because of a lot of these negative sentiments, you kind of like okay, well, I wouldn't want to live there at the moment, and therefore that Pinoy pride sort of like um, sort of loosens up a little bit. I wouldn't say it dies down. And then <laughs> what's really funny about us Filipinos is that when something great happens about like our nationality, we latch onto it like crazy. <laughs> so I think you guys all know, like Manny Pacquiao, like it's like what Filipino household does not stop what they're doing on like a Sunday night and like get, gets everyone gathered. It's, it's, like, it's like the American Thanksgiving. That's what I was going to compare it to. Yes. <laughs> so no matter where you are in the world, if Manny Pacquiao is fighting, um, if Manny Pacquiao is fighting, um, you know, our house is going to be lit with like full on Filipino food. Um, another thing, another person I can think of is like her. So you like her, the singer, she's like, she's like, She's half Filipino. And you're, we're just like, you know what? Filipino pride over there. Um, but I don't know. Does anyone relate to that? Like how maybe, and Alyssa talked a little bit about how she didn't want to sort of associate with it and things like that. Anyone else had the same sentiments? Yeah, um, definitely. Oh, you can go, Gwen. Oh, you can go ahead, Gizana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think... I definitely think that um, one interesting factor that, that, that maybe for India and Philippines in particular was quite important to us having such huge migrant populations was the fact that we speak English pretty well. Yeah. Um, so in Canada, for example, there's this program called, funnily enough, uh, LCP. It stands for the Live-In Caregiver Program. And a lot of Filipinos qualify for that simply from the fact that our education is uh, good enough and our English is good enough to afford us these opportunities. Mm. Um, so I think that helps to explain this huge diaspora relative to our population, but also just talking about this disenfranchisement with the Philippines and the culture of the Philippines. I think this is quite kind of deep set, this kind of political, um, dissatisfaction. Like, I don't, th I don't think this is kind of a recent thing with Duterte. I think this goes back to, um, the kind of Marcos years and all of that, like, for a long, long time, as far as, as, as young as I could remember, one of the first uses I heard of the word corrupt was my parents explaining that the Philippines government is full of these corrupt, selfish um, politicians. And yeah. I think this is, you know, this is not something that's new, I guess, or at least I'd be surprised if this is the first instance of this idea that we don't have the best politicians brought into the consciousness of the Filipino diaspora. I'd be mm -hmm. surprised. Having said that, I do think that there are particular things, especially the fact that social media is so prolific over the last um, five to eight years. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good point, Gwen. That um, there's a particular brand of leadership that has become very popular globally over the last five to eight years. He's very um, tough man, conservative, you know, hard on crime personalities, right? Like, Donald Trump, like um, Jair Bolsonaro, and like Rodrigo Duterte. So I think it's kind of the association even with people like this that lend this overall kind of negative lens onto the Philippines as a place where 
um, or the leadership may not be necessarily have the same values that people overseas may hold, especially if you're from a country with um, like Singapore, like Australia, it's widely regarded in quite a good light. Well, those are just some of my thoughts, I guess. But what do you think, Gwen, as someone who is like from the Philippines? Mm, yeah, I I completely agree with you that even being associated with it kind of it, it's like a makes me feel bad about being Filipino, like generally. Um, another thing that I I personally do a lot is as someone who's uh, overseas right now with with all like the chaos that's happening in the Philippines. Um, whenever I read the news about what's happening like, currently there, I, I find myself like frustrated, I guess. Yeah. It's I don't think it's just us though, yeah. Yeah, mm. it's, it, it's frustrating seeing them suffer and like just watching them from afar, especially like for example, um, like all the, say, uh, personally, my friends, they're all struggling with how the lockdown has been extended if you've seen like the late latest news that they extended it to 2021 if i'm not mistaken and um the, and all the businesses that had to shut down and how despite being one of the last countries sorry one of yeah sorry um the countries that had like the longest lockdown they still seem to have no direction with how they're going to address the pandemic and then there's countries like Australia where you can get free COVID testing even if you don't have Medicare. And it's just it's frustrating seeing that and seeing the Filipinos suffer and seeing them being deprived of what they should rightfully have, like right to yeah. healthcare and all that. Yeah. I yeah, think, that's, uns- that's um, unfortunate. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Go no, no, go for it. Oh, I was no, just gonna say uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, um, it is a lot of negative things that's being put into light, you know, and uh, personally for me, I'm not that well educated either, because it's not something that I usually talk about with my family, for example, and before I used to have the Philippines, like ABS-CBN thing in the background, now I don't, Um, and I don't actively look at Philippine news if, uh, because I'm more, I guess, acclimatized to looking at Singapore news rather than Filipino yeah. news if that makes sense and yeah it, it's just a habit that I grew up with that I, I know I'm currently working on but also with that um, I think I'm very grateful for the fact that a lot of my friends are from Philippines uh, or you know they they were born in the Philippines and then they were raised in Singapore and they'd be showing like sharing a lot of good like really uh, informative things about what's going on in the Philippines and it's just mainly it, it's hopeful. The reason why is be, like, for me, I see that as hope because people still do care. People, um, for, like the way I see it that um, is that, you know, young people really do have, well, this generation or younger generations of Filipinos that I see right now outside of Philippines, I think it's super cool how um, despite not being in the country for a while now, they still take interest in, in all these things that happen. Um, and, you know, uh, like, you know, making re- with reference to the article that uh, Jack actually, sorry, Jose actually um, shared, like, um, you know, there are people who just don't, don't like it and it's completely fine. And I guess it's also the lack of understanding or whether or not they wanted to contribute back. And for me, um, it never 
occurred to me. I I don't know. I I fully embrace the country for it is, for what it is because I know Singapore is not is also still growing as a country and like the the countries like all governments around the world they're they're growing as a country it's more of um what do we want to contribute back to that and i i just feel very um very privileged to have other people who care about the country enough and to inspire me to want to do more um but and and i guess like uh, from what my mom, at least, she calls me and she tells me, she also updates me on like what's happening back in Philippines. Like, uh, you know, both, I think my brother, my, my cousin and my aunt, she, they got COVID, like they got tested positive for COVID. Oh, jeez, okay. Um, yeah, and, but then, you know, they're, they're doing okay and they're being taken care of. And the thing is like, sometimes media don't really, doesn't really portray like all the, po- like they would net, um, usually focus on just the negative things and maybe there's just a lot of things that also can come about it. Um, for example, I, I see the difference, like I see the difference that um, the current leadership of Philippines has actually brought to the country itself. And sometimes maybe we don't see it where it is necessary. Uh, but again, like these are just my opinions and it's also the lack of knowledge and it just goes to show how like if, if I'm thinking this way where I know I need to read more about something then maybe it's like uh like for me it's like i know my brother has to read more about it i know my parents have to read about it and it's just a lack of um understanding of like of a lot of things that are happening at home that which comes with the consequences of moving out of your house oh sorry out of the country so yeah yeah, mm, that's just with me you raised an interesting point and that's a great and which is a great segue because um maybe we painted a huge brush that like a lot um uh that it is unfortunate that we, that we see these things are here. And maybe because when we move abroad, um, the, that association kind of dies down, but there are people that move for a better future. Right. And that, I mean, sorry, that's what everyone wants. And when we move abroad, it's not to, not only to say that there is certain growing unsatisfaction in the country, but it's, no, it's like, I want to help out and give back to my family. Right. And I want to turn that on the, uh, I want to turn that to more of a positive light and talk about, you know, some of the things that we were, we are proud about um, because for one, like I'd say like as Filipinos, like we are go through very much a lot of adversity um, no matter how much you identify with it. Right. And yeah, part of it is having to like seek out better opportunities and um, you know, sort of maybe disassociate yourself a little bit with the country, but I have five things that I wrote. I, I, I searched up about what makes Pinoy pride. Right. And the first one is, it says, is resilience. And I think I can personally relate to it because like one of, that's one of my top values. Um, and what it says is that it was characterized by like faith, family, and fun. Um, how much do you think like resilience played a big, like, do you see that on an everyday kind of basis, Mike? Like, even though you were born and raised there, like, did the Filipino culture sort of, a, do you see that tagline associated with Filipino culture? Um, I do. I do. Looking at the history of it, looking at how Filipinos like to spend um, their time, I think, I think the immigrant story for most Filipinos, unless you're immensely privileged, is one of resilience. Uh, my parents were not. And I've heard stories about how, you know, um, my dad or my mom might have just had like a cheese sandwich. And that's her whole, you know, that's all her food for one day as a new expat to New Zealand before she was able to meet my dad, start a family and everything. And, you know, my dad coming to uh, New Zealand with like 3000 USD 
in his pocket and dropping like 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 300 500 bucks on this nice winter jacket in singapore and that's like all he had coming in and he had all he almost uh, very very sick from a lack of food i definitely think being resilient is in our lifeblood and i won't go into the history here um but i do think well one example that comes to mind is like the kind of the sports narrative that um, a lot of Filipinos do embrace. Sports is so huge in our country and our national heroes are sports players, boxers, underdogs and this type of thing. And I think this kind of uh, mentality, a remnant from our colonial history is super defining. Um, I'll also yeah. talk a little bit about like fun as well. I think that's kind of something that all of us here can relate to. It's more fun um, in the Philippines. Yeah, that's the national tagline, right? Or like every family gathering, you have these silly games and you know you have even your... Um, titos and titos doing all sorts of funny things just to try and get a laugh and just enjoy each other's company. And yeah. I think this is, this is one of my fonder kind of um, the fonder things I regard about being in the Philippines. I think you can always be down for a good time if you're there with people you know. Um, not to say it's unique to that, but those two certainly do resonate with me a lot. Yeah. Side note, um, the National Tourism Board of the Philippines, please sponsor me. It's more fun in the Philippines. <laughs> number two number yeah but i agree what you said um mike number two hospitality so we brought up that you know (laughs) oh my gosh um you know how many times my friends have like um they say like wow your family's so nice like why do they always serve you food i'm like why wouldn't we it's like it's such a norm it's like if you go to a different filipino family you're expected to be fed and you'll be expected to be fed like six meals a day like that uh, that's just a guarantee um was that, ever, was, that, was that ever a big problem, Alyssa? Or like, I don't know, like, because I, I met your parents, actually, and they were, like, it was, they were really nice and really accommodating, very polite and welcoming. Um, do you see that sort of rubbing off in the way that you treat your guests at home? <laughs> or like when people visit you, it's like you start feeding them a lot? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> when my mom went uh, back in Singapore, obviously, like, I... I let my mom do it. You know, I'm super, can get pretty lazy sometimes to do it. But then like here, but I brought that here to Australia where, you know, um, I mean like every single, when COVID wasn't happening, of course, like every single day, there would be like three people coming over. They'd be chilling, doing work. I'd be trying to feed them something that I made or something that I bought. So yeah, I definitely agree with the whole hospitality um, and being welcoming towards other people. And I, I think I've seen a couple of like videos online where they kind of do this like, oh yeah, uh, they'll make you take away food, um, like what for whatever food they'll take away, get you to like give you six servings for you to, that's enough for like the entire week or something like that. And I totally resonate with that because like my mom usually does that when whenever we're home. So yeah. <laughs> but I will say that's something to be proud about because like everyone says like no matter where you are, um, um, and I remember reading somewhere that like, if no matter where you are as a Filipino, you'll always find home in a Filipino, like somewhere else, because of how accommodating and hospitable we are as people. And I think the world needs a little bit more of that kindness, especially uh, during these times. Um, and I think that's highly regarded. And I think that's something we can, should continue to take pride in. Number three, and this is something I want to throw back to Gwen, because she talked a lot about it, family. So being part of Pin- having Pinoy pride is family. So I guess, simple question, but a loaded one. How much do you love your family, Gwen? (laughs) Too much. Too much? Okay. Talk about (laughs) it. Why is family so important for you? 
Um, definitely as a growing up Filipino, they're really big parts of your life. They really, um, I guess, although they encourage independence, more often than not when making decisions, your family is there to like help you out in deciding or even having your back when you failed or, you know, when you succeed. They're always just there for you. And that's something that's really emphasized in Filipino culture. I think that's also something you see a lot in the media, your family. I think one thing that my parents would always tell me is that they're like, you like, you know how people say, I, I mean, as pessimistic as it sounds, you can't trust anybody, right? But yeah. um, my parents would used to always emphasize that if there's anyone in this world who you can trust fully and who will always have your back, it would be your family, regardless of if you fail or if you're yeah. and you always have your family and they'll always have you back yeah and i think that's something that you know sometimes as filipinos um we often take for granted and i know there's a lot of like on social media right now it's like a lot of um i don't know if you guys are in subtle filler traits but like <laughs> it's a lot of talking about like um uh like toxic family culture and things like that and yes there are a lot of things like that but you know, one thing that religion and the country and the culture that we talk about is like the importance of family. And sometimes that is very difficult for me to resonate with people who don't associate with strong family values. And it's just like, wait, how, how can family not be an important part of your life? Or even if you're chosen family, if there are certain, like, if there are difficulties within those relationships, right? But yes, what you said, family, like for us, we've been growing up no matter where we are and no matter how much we are Filipino in varying degrees because of where we moved, family continues to be a number one thing. Um, number four, joy, love, and happiness. And I want to throw this back to the National Tourism Board of the Philippines. Please sponsor me. But every time you see the, every time you see the posters, um, every time you see like ads, you always see like kids who are like, you know, who are wearing the sandal, who are wearing the singlet. <laughs> and they're just like running around in the streets like with sticks and like, they're just incredibly grateful and happy. And like, not with have not not a lot of such great like um not a lot of like opportunities as we do have you always see filipinos with a smile and like one thing i want to throw back was like the mabuhay welcome to filipino airlines and like you every time you hear that it's like wow it's a little bit of home you know um and the, how courteous we are and that's something that i like strongly re re resonate with as well the last thing i want to point out before we close as well is number five religion so I told you we're going to talk about religion and politics this <laughs> this this podcast. But um, for those who don't know, eighty percent. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Gwen. Eighty percent of the nation of the population of the Philippines is uh, or are Roman Catholic, and because of that, it is instills a lot of Christian um, Christian values, and that results to like family supporting, grateful gratitude, um, and I think it sort of defines who we are strongly as Filipino culture. Um, I want to throw this to Mike then. Like you said, you just came back from church and um, having like a lunch, a lunch as well. So how much did like, uh, I wouldn't say religion, just being Catholic sort of um, made you who you are today as a person, not just a Filipino, but like as a better person mm. in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think, oh, this is a very, I feel this is a very a topic you've got to tread carefully around. But, tread carefully, tread carefully. Yeah. But like, you know, I think... <laughs> I think it's something to be proud of as well, but yeah, go ahead. I think so as well. Now, the reason I think it's a topic to turn carefully around is because there's a lot of um, hateful sentiment, especially around people our age, especially in the country we happen to reside in around the Catholic Church. Um, yep, yep. A lot of people, I don't think, hold it in very high regard. 
and uh, for good reason, for good reason. Um, often it's, you know, not the fact that it's a general commentary on religion, it's the fact of the whole pedophile scandal, it's, it's a lot of different things, it's a lot of science denying attitudes, which are wrongfully associated, I think, but in any case, I think that being Catholic, first and foremost, gave me a sense of purpose, um, that there is a kind of a higher being and there's more to life than um, whatever you might be seeing. I think this kind of perspective helped me and really influenced even what I do today which is not, I don't work for a religious organization, but I do work with the intention of an end goal of a higher purpose in mind. Um, beyond that, I think certain values that I hold very close to me are quite, um, would, not, could, would not exist in isolation of my religious upbringing, such as um, being generous and being kind, I think, are things I care about a lot, such yeah. as um, having a sense of integrity, things that, you know, like, and while this is not, monopolized by the Catholic Church, by religion in general, I certainly think it helps, you know, to grow up in an environment where these values are, are, are exalted and talked about and people are held accountable to practicing them, which is not always the case. Um, I think, contrary to what many people may think, I had a lot of religious friends and you know, people in my life growing up, priests and all that, I considered them very highly as, as, as role models. And yeah. so all of this combined, I think, makes means that my religious upbringing is, is was very important to me and is to this day like very important to me yeah yeah but, um, and it, it provides you like in filipinos in general i think a strong moral compass and no matter yeah. where you've yeah where you've lived and how much you've maybe not lived in the philippines if you've been have strong family ties and you've strong religious ties it does shape you who you are as a filipino at the end of the day because of how etched mm. you are into that how how etched religion is to our identity yeah. Mm -hmm, that's right. And just a sense of community as well. Like true. Mm -hmm. just going to the church with your whole family, I think is a vastly different experience to going by yourself when you live alone, which is what I did, you know, when I, when I did live alone. So yeah, just another little thing there, but curious to see what the others think, what the others think. Yeah. Well, Alyssa can say, um, Alyssa has been a leader for a, uh, a youth Christian group for like the longest of times um, in Singapore. Uh, so mm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in that youth Christian group, there's a lot of Filipinos. So, yeah, there's a lot of Filipinos because it, uh, yeah, it's a YFC. So it's Youth for Christ. And uh, the reason why I started to associate myself with Filipinos is because I joined when I was 13. And that basically shaped my, you know, my adolescence, um, my years of in adolescence, then, um, like, looking at it now like listing listing it out like resilience hospitality family joy love happiness i think it's all shaped by religion in itself uh, although you know it might not be clearly stated or um I, oh sorry i think in, for example in the bible itself right like all, all these actually resonate or sorry all these are actually explained in the bible itself but then um when we practice it out i think that's the the thing about religion or like being catholic where we want to practice it out as well um and although maybe you might not be religious it's something that then just became a culture of maybe philippines and um i like for for me it was uh it it really helped me to embrace again like my uh the, the filipino side of things because i was so exposed to it and the yeah. really cool thing about the young people that i met in philippines is that they don't just take religion as is you know how like oh yeah you read the bible and face or you go to church you listen to um what the priests say um like for the people in youth for christ the young people that i actually grew up with they're not afraid to challenge they're not afraid to actually question they're not afraid to actually talk about it 
in real life, you know, the, all the controversies and all these things, they're not afraid to talk about it. And I think uh, building off what Michael mentioned, where it's, it is a community, it is. And, you know, it starts with the whole kind of, I call it like the very fluffy side of things where, yeah, if you do this, you'll, uh, you'll be able to, I don't know, be, feel more happy. But over, over time, that's where you start being part of that community. That's where you start being able to see the camaraderie where, oh, you know, we, we face something hard and then we just share or we empathize and we, um, I don't know, I think that's, that's one of the really beautiful things about religion and something that Philippines has brought over to not just, you know, um, not just Singapore, but to, to other, other countries. Because I know for YFC, they do try to branch out as much as possible. And that's when I also went, uh, went for more conferences in Philippines. And mm. yeah, I think uh, it's really helped. But like religion is kind of something that does contribute to the whole um, identity of being a Filipino. Yeah, for me. sure. Um, I 100% agree, especially for the community aspect of it. Speaking of the community, and I think um, you touched upon, touched upon it a little bit. Don't you think like family ga- Filipino family gatherings and parties are pretty lit? <laughs> Like, especially when you get like, um, yeah, like how, how crazy it is, especially when you see like, like what, like Gwen talked about, right. And you can share a little bit, like, <laughs> like when you meet like your aunt, like, so for those who were listening, titas and titos means aunts and uncles respectively. Um, but like you meet all these people that like, you've met, like, you, like your third, third cousin, like third, third cousin or second cousin from like your mother's side, uh, once removed or something like that. And it's like all these like huge family gatherings and that makes actually part of the Filipino community so hospitable. Right. So how lit were family parties in the Philippines? Go ahead. Especially when you have so much family there. Um, low key jealous of it, but yeah. <laughs> um, definitely one of the, the best experiences. It's really something you always look forward to. Like, for example, for me, like once I know it's, like burr months you know how christmas lasts for like four months in the philippines um or even more Wait, why is that explain to the listeners why 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 does why does christmas last for four months <laughs> is, there, is there a reason behind it do oh, you just it starts because of you the, just leave the decorations longer you can't no, but you take know, them down so. wait do you guys know why it's because like no. it's the start of the burr months september oh, yeah. october november sure. december sure. and then i've never like, heard oh. of that no it's oh, legit it's legit <laughs> yeah like I'm not joking, and it's also 100 days before Christmas. That's why we start. So wait, September. wait, it, it, the season starts now. Then is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. The season starts yeah. now. What? Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, if you if you go to the Philippines wow. and if you go to the provinces, they're starting. They're 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 starting to put up the 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 what's it called? What's the, the decorations word? and everything? The parol or something like that? Oh, paroles. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the star things, right? Yeah. So it's like you start in wow. September. <laughs> the more you know. I'll go on. Yeah. Glenn. So how were they going talk about it um so whenever burr months came around i knew i just knew that, the, um, that there will be more family gatherings soon and it was the bigger ones like with second third cousins and titas i've never met before titos who are i don't even know who they are you know and this is when you really get to bond with everyone and usually what we do in these family gatherings is like my personal favorite karaoke there's a lot of karaoke oh yes much karaoke but All right, who can um, sing here i know Alyssa can sing gwen can you sing mm, right. <laughs> doesn't matter but yes, that's true. Kara- like, it doesn't matter if you sing. Karaoke is a big thing. Yeah. But it's always like Dancing Queen, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and like yeah. 12 
playing. It's always the same Tita and Tito songs that they it's sing. It's always the magic sing, like that specific yeah. magic sing. Wow, the one with sing. the score. The one yeah. with the score and the tropical backgrounds as the song yes. goes. <laughs> yeah. Have you, yeah. Um, there's also, um, uh, I don't know if you know about the stereotype, Mike. Uh, do you know My Way is technically officially banned in all karaoke sessions? No, I didn't. The, the Sinatra it song? Wasn't. Like it's a Frank so Sinatra the, song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Frank Sinatra the song. Died. Yeah, yeah, because why? okay, yeah, that's why. Because you know, in the 1980s or whenever, like nine, like 1960s, when My Way came out by Frank Sinatra, um, it was overplayed so much that every time a karaoke would start My Way, you'd hear like the stereotype is that you'll hear gunshots because people are, were so so sick of that song. <laughs> yeah, that's what my dad told me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that. Also, um, Pariokani Edgar, that's also my favorite band um, from the Philippines. Uh, all those songs, all those classic songs. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, we, we, we made, um, so we made a group chat for those listening. We made a group chat for this podcast and the group chat was called Hoi Pinoy, Pinoy Ako, because it was homage <laughs> to a song that was talking about Pinoy pride. <laughs> well, what else was there? What else was there, Gwen, in the, uh, in the parties? Um, definitely, uh, the food, the food was like absolutely amazing. Always something to look forward to. And you know, you know that there's going to be good food when they bring out the lechon. <laughs> What's lechon? What's lechon? Uh, it's like a whole pig. And like a roast, a whole roasted, uh, spit a roasted, uh, roasted pig. Yeah. Yep. And once they bring that out, everyone's like really excited and they try to run to the lechon first. Whoever gets there first gets the skin and, you know, everyone's favorite part. Are you more of a meat meat lechon person or a skin lechon person? As controversial as this sound, I do not like lechon. <gasps> oh, yeah. it's okay. I mean, it's like to varying degrees. <laughs> I don't like it when I get. <laughs> Does that revoke my Filipino card? <laughs> no, no, not at all. If anything, if anything, it like reinforces it because you've probably eaten it too much, or at least it's unhealthy. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, then. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gwen. No, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of which, um, I think a great way to end this podcast as well is what is your favorite comfort food for those here? So Mike, Alyssa, Gwen, um, we talked a lot about um, the ups and downs, but I wanted to end on a light note. So what's, what, what, what are some of the things that you just like crave for from the Philippines? Um, yeah, just too much. Let me try. I'm thinking there's got to be something, right? This is going to be pretty basic, but I love, um, I love those like barbecue skewers that you can just get on the street, like Isao and the oh, yeah. pork neck ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like, I don't know, there's something about, you know, end of the day, you're walking home and you pick up some food just to keep you tied over until dinner or something. It's a nice feeling. It brings me back to my uh, brief time in Manila. Mm. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. For those you know, who don't know, we actually marinate we actually marinate our, our Pinoy barbecues with Sprite or any form of like clear fizzy drink, Seven Up or Sprite. Yeah. For those who don't know, it adds to the sugar of it. That's why you have that good caramelization when you when you when you um, when you barbecue like meat over it. For me, it'd probably be oh I don't know what I'm craving right now. Uh, probably like adobo and tapsilog. So tapsilog is like um, stir fried. Oh no, it's like beef tapas with like egg and rice and garlic rice too. Oh, it's like a good breakfast meal. Yeah. What about you, Alyssa? 
I want kare kare. I've been wanting kare kare all this while, which is a uh, like a peanut beef stew or whatever meat stew. And yeah. so, like my mom's is so good. It's either that or pancit palabok. Yeah, those are the thing two two dishes. Yeah. What's palabok? What's palabok? Hmm? What's palabok? Wait, I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's noodles with, uh, like seafood. Uh, seafood meat sauce, mm. and then it's topped off with like shrimp, lots of seafood, and it's super good. Oh no, um, 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 boodle fight. I don't know what it's called. Boodle fight. Oh, uh, boodle like fight. Oh. Yeah. Classic. Uh, all right. So, what is a boodle yeah. fight? Is it an actual fight? Uh, <laughs> Let the listeners know what it is. Well, to be fair, it is fight over like all the good things because you yeah. need to eat with your hand, and then like there's a lot of like salt. Like, I remember salted egg, and then there's fried fish and bangos um, as rice. Well. Bang oh yeah, bangos. What else is there? Like just fresh seafood, grilled food. I don't know. Uh, I can't and it's like I, I think there's something called achara, which is like the the pickled. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gwen. It's like the pickled um, vegetables, yeah, right? That like freshes up your palate. But basically what a budo fight is, like it's, um, it's a form of feast where you put like bamboo leaves all over a long ass table. And on that bamboo leaves is um, a mountain of rice that starts from one end of the table to the other end. And on top of that rice is like filled with a bunch of Filipino food. So it's like uh, all the way from meat to fishes to... Oh, sorry, not not bamboo leaves, banana leaves. <laughs> and it's on top of like, uh, it has like a lot of toppings on it and sometimes even sweet things as well, which is really weird. But yeah, like that's that's nice. We should have a budo fight for all four of us soon. <laughs> um, what about you, Gwen? What's, um, what's, what's, what, what are you craving right now? The uh, hot. The hot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What's Here's the my confession. I never had yeah. the hole in my life. No, you should. Michael. I know, I know. That's the most. That's the least Filipino thing here. You I sh- know. I didn't think it was good, and then I had bubble tea, and I, I realized they were like the same, and now I regret because I can't go even back to Philippines for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but true. You can but... make it at home. Really? Oh yeah, that's really? true. Yeah, you can make it at home. You can buy it in the Filipino groceries here. Yeah. That's so exactly. lucky. You guys have groceries. <laughs> like in Sydney, in Melbourne, there's not that many like Filipino groceries here. Yeah. So. But what's the whole going? What? Why are you craving it? Um, the whole is like a it's like a sweet snack. It's like um, it's made out of tofu and like some sugar syrup and like um, similar to like boba, so like pearls. Yeah. It's really, really good, and it's like it's served warm. Sorry. Or cold. It's like a nice hug. Or or cold. Or cold. I think it's better warm though. Ooh, debatable. I like a cold. Yeah. Well, there's also that stereotype where it's like the guy who's carrying the, t- the, the the huge tin cans and he like walks around in the province and he's like, Taho, Taho, Taupo, me Taho. <laughs> yeah, so they like that. Um, so yeah, they, they just scream out Taho and that, you, you know it's going to be a lit day because it's like, especially during the summer when it's cold, when it's hot and you get like cold Taho. Oh. For those Chinese, um, for those people with like Chinese background listening, the closest one would probably be like, um, the closest dish to Taho would be like Tohua with like um, tofu and like mm. sugar syrup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that basically sums up sort of like w- the different varying degrees of us as overseas Filipinos. Um, I do want to, I know I said I was going to close it off with food, but I do want to throw it back to you guys before you go. We close it off um, 
uh, for today's po- uh, podcast episode, which is two questions. I want you guys to answer these questions to the best of your ability. And these questions are, these two questions are, what makes you proud to be Filipino? And secondly, each of us try to explain, what is a tabo? And then you guys can leave. <laughs> um, so whoever, uh, so Alyssa, you want to start? What makes you Filipino and what is a tabo? What makes me proud of to be Filipino? I think it's in essence like being super loving and caring towards anyone regardless of where they come from. That's for me. Um, what is Tabo? I call it, I used to call it the water scooper. Just <laughs> call it water scooper. So I was like, mom, I need the water scooper. Oh, no, no. I explained that to my friends because they don't know Tabo. But yeah. How about um, Michael or Gwen? A tabo is like a bucket, but the handle protrudes instead of goes around. And it's quite small, so it might hold maybe three quarters of a liter at most. It's just a versatile tool, especially if the shower is not working, um, to wash yourself or other things. I never even, I had to Google right now what that was. And then I saw the picture and I was like, oh my God, that's what it's called the whole time. So yeah, wow, the like you know. even then, like you just don't know, right? Like you don't know how to yeah, explain yeah. this. This is a part of my life. Actually, I never even noticed it wasn't in any of my friends' houses. Wow, I'm learning. My mind is blown. But anyway, <laughs> the thing I like most about the Philippines is that it's really hard to pin down what it actually means to be Filipino. Mm. You have so many lived experiences when you consider being international, our diaspora, our um, cla- a different kind of um, economic uh, diversity, and all this kind of thing. And yet, there are a few common elements we can all talk about and celebrate. And I think that's a really interesting, um, paradoxical, but something I'm very grateful for about aspect of, of, of my culture. Nice. How about you, Gwen? Um, I think uh, Michael explained Tabo really well. Sorry, it's kind of like this like, bucket thing where there's a handle and it's primarily used for um, bathing or like cleaning the house um but what makes me proud to be a filipino is that no matter where i am in the world i will most likely find a filipino family and you know make my own family there as well yeah that's cute which is very true actually and i think it was like um which is why it was very easy for us to like sort of connect because like we all met um work volunteering for the same the same place and then we sort of like your your pinoy your pinoy oh okay cool and then we can relate to shared experiences and i sort of felt like you know that's something that we were able to resonate to really quickly and for sort of formed our own little like um family or network within like within each other and i think that's something like what gwen said to be very very proud about um for me what makes me proud to be filipino i think it can boil down to like sort of the things that i describe pinoy pride to be which is resilience hospitality hosp- hospitality and like family and i think that completely sums up like what it means to be filipino you see it etched in our culture it's like the reason why we shout a lot about pinoy pride is because we do have a little of pinoy pride when it comes to like all of the successes and then despite all the adversities that come up with the with you know our culture or even the country like we are still proud of where we have the, the the tribulations we've all gone through and it continues to be etched in our identity. And secondly, with hospitality, like no matter how shit things can go, um, we always try our best, like in a, in a very stereotypical way, or if I'm painting a huge brush is that we are hospital people. We welcome, like we approach the world with like open arms and are really kind. And lastly, 
you know, stemming from that is because of our love for family. So it's going to be very rare and not to say every Filipino is like this, but family will continue to be a part of Filipino identity. And you can sort of see that etched in the way that we conduct ourselves in daily life. And like what Gwen said, I really enjoy that fact that like, oh, you know, if you're Filipino, you're going to have family over there wherever, no matter where you are in the world. So for me, that what makes me, that's what makes me proud to be Filipino and where my parents and where I've come from ethnic, ethnically. And what is a tabo? I just call it a bucket with a handle that like to the side. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, you, if you're listening, search up what a tabo is. It's spelled T-A-B-O. Um, you'll be like, oh, so that's what it is. Um, you know, till this day, us Filipinos still don't know how to describe it to other friends. <laughs> but that is it for, life, for this episode of Life with Friends. Um, thank you, Michael, Alyssa, and Gwen for st- um, stopping over and taking, this, t- taking the time to talk about um, all things Pinoy. Uh, um, how'd you guys enjoy it? Did you guys enjoy it? That's good. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad that I didn't need to speak Tagalog because if so, then Gwen is probably going to like trump us all. Um, (laughs) I'm probably going to also like butcher every single word, but no, thank you guys for, um, thank you guys for being part of it. And for those who are listening, stay tuned for next episode. So thank you guys and hope you guys have a good day. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Life with Friends. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon.